Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges and subscribe to us wherever you listen. And it's about time. Get on that five-star review, my friends. And as always, we taught judging MMA. Head on over to abcboxing.com. Read that criteria. Yeah, that criteria. Once again, we still have not chased down uh, the ABC officials that we <laughs> every week goes by now, and I keep trying to. And and we just so happen to have on uh, the the impetus for why we really need to get this done is our good friend and our guest judge this week, none other than Dan Tom. Dan, thank you very much for joining us this week. How you doing, man? Guest judge. That's a that sounds like a heavy distinction, but uh, I'll take it. I'll take it from you guys. No, it's it, it's good. It's great to be here, man. I love your guys' show. Obviously, you guys are fighting the good fight, and uh, you know, for people that don't know, I I I, I you you guys are people who I I look to and reference uh, and would talk to anyway. So to be able to actually like do it on your show is pretty cool. That we really appreciate all of that, of course. And and Dan, you keep yourself super busy. You've got your hands on a lot of pots. You, I mean, it's it's not even just what you do uh, in terms of media, but I mean, you're kind of all over the place when it comes to uh, mixed martial arts. To just kind of plug everything that's going on with you, man. Shoot, man. Yeah, I mean, I I, I do um, analyst work in the media space, and obviously, all there's a lot of different beats, but the criteria that you know the show you guys you guys talk about and uh, to kick off this show in the beginning every week it kind of ties into all of our beats you know um even if we don't have a beat even if we're just a fan trying to understand or a degenerate gambler trying to bet um <laughs> i think i think that you know the, there's no street that it doesn't really intersect right if it's like a grid um all streets intersect and and so does mine but yeah, I, I feel like 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 Scott said, I'm I, I'm on a bunch of different streets, which is really bad for my ADD. I like to focus a bit, but um, I've been talked in. I just just when I thought I was out, guys, they pull me back in to uh to compete and I'm doing this train ultra program here, uh, which is great. It's gotten me back in back into the gym, extreme couture. But um, speaking of criteria, it's making me realize how unfriendly my style uh, and my biases are uh, toward criteria. So. Especially when you know, in, in an amateur setting, which is still based off the same criteria that this here show focuses on touts. Of course, amateur shows a lot of times smaller cage, shorter round. So if you're a guy who likes to fight on the outside counter, work the body, take it to the ground, but slow cook while you're there. You don't really got the time, uh, or you know, and and stuff to do so. So a little bit of a tangent yeah. there, yeah, yeah. But it, it all intersects though, right? It all kind of intersects back to. Uh, uh, this year criteria. So it, it, you guys, you guys tout it for a good reason. Sure, sure. But you know, I mean, you do so many things. You work with so many different outlets. You do mm. stuff with them. MMA Junkie, of course. You know, what, it's, what, what other projects you want to kind of plug while you're here? I mean, this is your oh, chance to do it. Oh, thanks. No, no. It, it, uh, just basically right now, guys, really just focusing on. You know, always trying to trying to do do a good job with my analysis as much as I can. You really can't predict this crazy sport. Um, I do dabble in the betting side of things. Um, so I will be, uh, you may hear me talk about that, especially when it comes to just, you know, acknowledging biases and stuff. Um, props to my guy, uh, my guy, Dan Urban over here. I know, uh, you know, you're, you're always very transparent about your bets, but as you guys have, have been getting, you know, much more serious and really taking, taking steps, uh, that I commend you guys for, um, 
I know that kind of gets tricky. So I, I do dabble with that. But again, it, I do feel like even though um, that is one of my beats, I feel like, you know, uh, understanding this stuff helps. And uh, yeah, man, but right now it's mainly just focusing on my analysis. Of course, uh, my, my podcast where I do these bets, the Protecting Neck podcast, and just preparing myself, man. It's so weird. Like it's kind of taken back over my mind, um, getting back into competition. For those who don't know, listeners of the Couchside Judges, um, I, I, I fought once before, only once. I, I got beat up for three rounds by Marvin Eastman's son, if you remember that name. Uh, and I um, Marvin Eastman, not his son. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. His son doesn't even have his same name. It's like Bus Bustier Nefarios. I don't know some. I I, I don't know the how, how the name. You the used name to know works. it, and then he beat it out of you. Yeah, well, no, no, I know, and and other people know it too. It's funny. I was having a, I, I I was talking with uh. I guess now one of the UFC ring announcers, Justin Bernard, who's doing it for Dana White Contender Series, he uh, actually ring announces for the amateur organization out here that I'm going to fight for and have fought for before. And I was telling him, and I was like, oh, yeah, I fought Marvin Eastman's son. He's like, you fought Boos? Because thankfully he like he went on to like uh, become like the champion of that organization because that's what you want, right? If you're going to lose to somebody, you're going to root for that person every time after. You're like, I want that person to do good because it'll just make me feel just a little bit better for getting beat up. You can always say that, hey, I might have been the second best guy there. No one can prove you otherwise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I'm uh shouts shouts to my buddy uh, Rodney James. He he uh he uh uh had to take an L unfortunately to Josh Quinlan, who recently fought just a, a UFC card ago, right? So I now I, I cornered him for that fight, and that was Quinlan's uh that was Quinlan's MMA debut, even as an amateur. Um, and after that, my guy Rodney messaged me and he was like, Holy smokes, then I'm like, hey man, hey, you know what? This is exactly what you want. If you're going to lose to a guy, you want that guy to get to the UFC and look like a killer. You know what I'm saying? Like, at least at least that's how you're going to be. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Silver lining, right, guys? Yeah. You know, Dan, sure. Dan likes to uh, Dan Urban here because this is going to drive me nuts when I call go with two Dans here. Uh, my our host, Dan, normal host, Dan, likes to tell the, the story of when he played uh, youth football. And what was the interaction you and Greg Olson, oh, yeah. you know, uh, former NFL tight end had? Probably Hall of Famer, right? Greg Olson? I mean, I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer, but I, I'm a Panthers yeah. fan and I love him forever. I'm going to say he's a Hall of Famer. That's fine. We can go yeah, that, for, but, so, yeah. for some reason, they put me on the middle row of kickoff return for some reason. No reason. I wasn't fast. I never got the ball before. Well, the ball found me and I look up and this monster kid at like 10 years old is running straight at me. I said, I'm not picking it up. <laughs> oh, 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 oh my god! I let someone else pick it up and take the punishment. I don't need to be a hero today. Yeah, you, why we're is so close to years? being a pro football player? Too. Yeah. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh my goodness! That's 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 great. Oh, that's great. You, uh, you trace that crossover. That is great. Listen, listen. It's it's fun to to shoot the stuff, of course. But hey, we have a lot to get into. It's not so Do many it. so many rounds, but like, oh my goodness. How long before you guys kind of came down from the high of watching that kick that Leon Edwards planted on Kamaru Usman's chin and put him out? Like, that was wild, right? Like, I, I'm still not over it. Yeah, I was starting to zone out because I, I had a big day at the pool. I was really tired. and I was just on the couch kind of zoning out in, in round five. And I'm like, then all of a sudden, the head kick and out goes Usman. I'm like, did that just happen? So you were zoning yeah, out in a way that maybe Dean Thomas was describing about Leon. Yeah, I was like, it, and I was like, oh my God, wow. Usman's doing Usman's thing. And then all of a sudden he was knocked out cold. And I, I, I was shocked for, I sat in the couch for like 45 minutes before I got up and, and did anything. 
Well, I mean, I, I wish I could have done something like that, but I had to immediately write. I'm like, oh my God, I, I got to write something about this. Cause like I, I like banged out a column right away. I, I forget what time the actual kick happened on East coast. But uh, I mean, I was, I was done writing by like two ten. And it got up somewhere shortly thereafter on the web. And yeah, I mean, I, I was like, everyone's processing in their own way. Right. But I'm sitting there. I'm like, I can barely process this. I'm, I'm like still trying to react and write to it. Um, and I do feel like I actually you now to my horror a little bit. I actually thought it was one of my better columns. So I was pretty proud of that. One. All right. You turned it around really fast. I got to say, I was really impressed, Scott. That was I was like, uh, I was sitting there having trouble, like trying to do my um, recap podcast. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I probably was where you know, Dan Urban was, I was just kind of zoning out. I mean, you want to talk about like Leon, Ed I was like Leon Edwards, like Dan Thomas said, cause he said, uh, you know, Leon wasn't making eye contact and that's a way of, you know, breaking concentration. I wasn't even making eye contact with my screen. I don't even know what I was looking at. And I just looked, looked up, I looked up and then I saw, because when I, when I, we'll, we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk about this. When, when I was looking up, they were against the fence wrestling and I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. We, We've seen this. This fight's going to be over. I look down, and when I look up again, Usman's on the floor. I'm like, how'd that happen? <laughs> and it was, and it, what made it extra weird was even Rogan uh, admitted it. He just like was like, you know, kind of like he wouldn't. He was in disbelief. He had his tinfoil hat on. He's like, he didn't even react to it properly, and it made it weird, weirder for me, who was like, I, okay, there should have been like an O or something like from Rogan. Like it was just strange. It took me a while to process it. I still think. Uh, I am processing the card right now. I, I I think we all are too. I mean, realistically, like, and yeah, obviously while we process this, this we're kind of prisoners of a moment to some degree here. But when I ask this question, I'm curious where you guys are at right now. Uh, I think I know where I'm at right now, but we'll, we'll start with our guest, Dan. Um, is this an all time mixed martial arts moment? This kick, this comeback, this, th this way to become the champion? Yes or no? Uh, Yes, is it the all time? I'm not going to weigh in on that. I feel that's where the that, recent that's a hard one, right? I'm not yes. even going there, but yes, uh, yeah, yes. I mean, but is, is it an all time? Is this on yes. the list? Yeah, it you know, from a technical nerve perspective, even when you take out the context, it was a beautiful kick, southpaw double attack, clean. Uh, and then you add in the context for a title coming from behind. Um, that definitely helps it, sure. And I, I, I won't deny those things. Yeah, I won't deny any of those things. I'm not going to argue about rankings, but I won't deny it as all time, sure. Yeah, it's it's always hard to place those things. What about you, Dan? Yeah, uh, uh, Dan Urban. Of course, <laughs> uh, this is definitely all time moment for sure. I mean, what what I take most the me the slow motion of the sweat just being sprayed about is is an image that's going to be burned into my head for I, I for think, two Usman I'm moments. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, back-to-back -back years in which you could possibly say Kamara Usman was part of the knockout of the year in a yeah, welterweight yeah. championship fight. It's it's pretty wild. Last year, that was my knockout of the year. That was absolutely my knockout of the year, him knocking out uh, Jorge Masvidal, because I think I had said at the time, like, literally the only way he could really get a win per se out of out of the situation of fighting mm -hmm. Masvidal again was to top it, and to top it, he needed to knock him out. And he did so, and he did it spectacularly. It was it was absolutely marvelous. And so he did everything he needed to. But obviously, here, he was a minute away from winning again. And all of a sudden, the guy that... It's not that everybody... I don't think everybody wrote him off like crazy during fight week. He, we've seen, I think, fighters who've even challenged Usman be written off to a greater degree sure. than Leon Edwards was. There were people giving him a chance, right? Like, But by 
minute 25, when we're starting to get to the point where DC and and Rogan and all the and 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 Dean Thomas again, and I don't mean to p- pick on Dean, you know, Dean Dean yeah, was very right, self-deprecating, right. which I really you know what shout to him because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that was he was hilarious yeah. on social media thereafter. But but I mean literally everybody had written it off except for of course John Anik in the very moment before it happened. That was impressive. Yeah. That's another yeah. thing about Anik. Yeah, he's he really is just the best at what he does. It's gonna be a long time before I think we get somebody that can meet the bar that he is setting. And I don't think that's uh, a slight on everyone else who's trying to do it. I think it's just we're seeing somebody who's raising what we expect out of mixed martial arts commentary. Yeah, I think Anik does it just I mean, Anik's the man. We're lucky to have him and he's great. But I think what that was was kind of uh, what he always does, and it was just highlighted because of the moment. There are so many times, and, you know, uh, for example, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, trying to politely correct his colleagues without correcting them because he's always respectful and he's always very humble and non-selfish, as you should be in the play-by-play role, right? You're kind of spiking the volleyball up uh, for your color commentators, especially when they're ex-champions, to look good. Uh, but as we know, they can kind of run wild with some things, right? With, with, with their narratives, especially when you have Rogan and, and DC, right? Not those guys. And and and, and I, I'm not trying. Yeah, I'm not trying to pile onto that whole thing. But it, just to tie it back to this compliment on Anik, and you, what you notice Anik will do is one of his his best uh, comments. And I remember like tweeting something to this effect, and even like Zach Candido gave it a like. So I was like, okay, well, his own producer liked it, so I, I guess I'm onto something. But Anik will will really balance out that narrative, you know. To where even if he knows they're kind of saying something, even if it's let's just be honest, wrong, uh, he will politely kind of interject. He's like, "Well, there's da 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 da," right? And he has it's a very art, it's very artful, it's very tactful, and that's what he was doing there. And Leon proved him right, and it was just kind of a perfect uh, chemistry, if that makes it, sense, guys. It, it really was, and that's something that I've I Anik John Anik has been on this show before, and I'm pretty sure he actually kind of said something to that effect when he was on with us. Dan, correct me if I'm wrong. Does that sound right? Uh, possibly. I mean, no. if 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 he didn't say it on our show, yeah. he said it elsewhere. I think he said it a few times. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, not only are you um, positing something, I think this is something that that's rooted in stuff he said as well. Uh, nice. Uh, cool. Dan, Dan Tom. So, yeah, I, th- good, I think good. we're absolutely hitting the nail. But, of course, get back to uh, Leon Edwards here. Yeah, I, I think we all agree. This, for me, if we're talking about this being an all-time MMA moment, obviously it's the UFC. We think, okay. We've all been to UFC shows. We know what they do. They show the Baba O'Reilly montage. Is this going to be part of the Baba O'Reilly montage for years to come? And I think it's a it's a hard yes, right? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's got to be. So I think that's really when I think of like an uh, like an all time moment. And granted, that doesn't have to be the be all end all. It's still one promotion's thing, but it, right. I think it's got to be there, right? Um, yeah. We obviously start thinking ahead now. It's like okay, Edwards got the win. I think it's no secret that this will probably end up being a re, you know an immediate rematch into a trilogy, right? Um, do you feel better? And we'll start with uh, with Dan Urban this time. Do you feel better about Edwards' chances of winning in the trilogy fight now than you did about him winning the rematch? Like, did your did your feelings on how he can handle Usman next time improve, or do you feel like they've gone down? Because obviously he was losing this fight. He was losing it pretty badly. Um... At least lopsided, in my opinion. Uh, On the cards, sure. Yeah. I don't know. I th- Edwards went into this fight knowing he'd have to beat him twice. So 
maybe he's been prepared for this, but I also have uh, visions of GSP Sarah too, where 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 GSP just comes back with a crazy vengeance and murders Matt Sarah, and then the, does Kamaro re- relive that for us? I don't know. That's where I kind of that might happen. I, I feel like I feel like at least on that tiff, like Matt Sarah, and this is not this is going to sound like a slight at, at Matt Sarah. It's not intended to be, but it, it is. It's probably going to come out that way. GSP was was always better than Matt Sarah. He just always was. Like he he lost that fight, and, and there's no flukiness about it. Like what what Matt Sarah did was something he meant to do and accomplished doing. But GSP was the better fighter, and I think he he proved that that next time. But that's kind of similar I, here too. I feel differently here though. I because yes, like granted, I think over 24 minutes we saw who was the better fighter that night. We also had a first fight that happened, and we saw who was the better fighter over 15 minutes, and both times. That was Kamara Usman. But here, you at least saw reasonable success, that replicable success from Leon Edwards. Stuff that he's doing, you could see him doing again. Having said that, I don't know that I would feel more confident in Leon Edwards' ability to beat Kamara Usman now that we've seen how he would do. Because, I mean, just getting that, that shot off, like, Granted, he's reading tendencies, you know, he, he even spoke about it. He said he's a boxer. I know if I could get him to kind of lean in and uh, like like Dan, uh, our, our guest, Dan Tom here said, you know, basically the, it's it's the uh, the Southpaw uh, combo there. Right. That was what worked. But is it going to continue to work? I mean, is he going to have months to kind of work on this? I don't know. Other than that, I feel like the better fighter was definitely Kamara Usman over that fight. So I don't know. I, I almost feel like I almost feel more confident in Kamara Usman winning next time. But. Not that I'm writing off the champion now. What about you, uh, our guest yeah. here, Dan? Dan Dan is the analyst guy. He's good at he, good at the. He's gonna the he's gonna lap us in yeah. this because this is yeah. this is his realm. <laughs> I, I don't even know about that because man, rematches are like drive me crazy. We've been getting so much uh, many of them. They're my least favorite to write as a writer, and they're my least favorite to analyze as an analyzer, if you want to even call it that, right? Um, so I don't, yeah, I can't even butt my chest here, guys. Um. I picked Lucman, for example, for this fight, and and you know, because uh, he's the more probable guy to win. But there's probably a reason why I, did, I didn't bet this fight and I stayed away, just because this is. And I hate saying this, and I rarely do this. I like to show the work, right? Uh, I, I hate to go off my gut feeling, but this is just one of those where I had a gut feeling where, like, if Edward Edwards wins, would it be the craziest things in the uh, craziest thing in the world? And as jaw-dropping as it was, it's still not crazy that Kamara Usman lost, at least for me. Um, and, and, you know, you might people might call me a hater, but I think part of the reason why the all-time talk and all this is because he is generally regarded as the pound-for-pound pound, uh, number one. I do think he's a pound-for-pound pound great, you know, as far as actively. I, I It's not popular. I've always said Volkanovsky more, which I've, I've only looked more and more right as since I've said that. But anyways, neither here nor there. No, but but the, the, the point is, it's not crazy if this guy loses. That being said, I and the odds makers are still going to favor them for the trilogy fight when they put it together, guys. So that being said, I believe that he won't be as big of a favorite, but I still feel like he's going to be a fairly moderate favorite. So you can kind of interpret that. You can say, well, no, Edwards has a better chance as he should. We saw that it can happen. So he should have a better chance, but you can still also say, you know, and make the argument that kind of Scott was leaning toward, you know, where, um, 
Usman, you could, you know, this, this is really going to be a good reminder for Usman to pressure and wrestle like he did the first fight. Like, not just for that first fight, how he did really for, like, the first half of his UFC career. Usman was more of a pressure fighter. He's really gotten more into boxing. Maybe he should revert back to that. You guys mentioned GSP earlier. You know, he was able to have his reign, but what, what did he do a lot of? It was wrestling, right? So maybe we see him try to take a page out of that book. You know, I... I'm glad you brought up kind of the, the wrestling and why he might go back to that because I'm, I'm watching this round five again. Like I, I, I watched it a few times, especially while I was writing, I just kind of went rewound and like had it kind of keep going as I was writing uh, last night. And I'm like, guy, you were leaning on your wrestling a lot. You were getting these takedowns and, and I'm granted mm -hmm. Leon Edwards is able to get back up. He, he spoke a lot about um, in the lead up to this fight. When, when we spoke, even he spoke about the fact that like, yes, he's it's not necessarily going to be able to keep me down. He might be able to take me down, but he's not going to keep me down. And he was able to pop back up most of the time. But in round five, he just does way too much standing toe-to-toe -to -toe in the middle of the cage with somebody who's a dangerous striker. And, mm. and, and I didn't understand why, unless he was just, maybe he was just tired from it. I don't know. I mean, I'm just, this is pure speculation. I don't know anything, but I'm just wondering why did he go away from a tactic that had essentially given him the fight back after the first couple rounds, which were much more competitive. The, like you can, I mean, the judges all gave round one to, uh, to Leon Edwards. I think round two. Yeah. Obviously it was round two through round four was all Usman, but I think round two was at least a very competitive round. You saw damage being dealt from both yeah. men. It was a yeah. danger zone. He was winning it, but it was still a danger zone. And then yep. he went away from that for a while and it was working even better. Then he goes like back to it, but he's also not putting up as much pressure like you're talking about. And it's, it's giving Leon Edwards that chance again. So yeah, his tactics there were just, I, I thought they fell apart a little bit at the end. Am I wrong? Or what do you, what do you guys well, think? I, obviously it's because the universe was, uh, taking what Henry Cejudo had to say into account <laughs> that it was easy money. And then the universe is like, Oh, you know what? We're just going to put it in Kamaro's head to, you know, we're just going to stand the rest of this fight. That's one way to look yeah. at it. What, what, what about a more technical uh, analysis? of it? Well, Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't, I don't know. I'm not trying to uh, pin heat on the official here, but didn't her Dean kind of separate him away from the fence. Not enough work or something before that. Uh, not long before that finishing sequence. I didn't rewatch it as, as many times as Scott. Uh, I also I wasn't watching watch like wholeheartedly so. when I had it on. I have it on like at a loop and I'm like, all right, going back, you know? Yeah, there, <laughs> right, there, there right. is a reset off the cage at some point. Mm -hmm. I, I saw some people complain about that too. And I, I, you know, to just Scott's point though, like that aside, that could happen. We know ref uh, refs can get, you know, um, um, we, we've heard, you know, the broadcast talk about that. They generally get less patient, not more patient as a fight goes on. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of human nature too. Um, so I don't know how much we can pin it on that because to Scott's point, uh, we've just kind of seen that as a trend from Kamaru and further, we've seen that as a trend from Whitman fighters, right. With, uh, with, 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 uh, Rose, uh, not attacking when she needs to, uh, Gaethje, not even just not so much following Oliveira, which was something that, you know, uh, some of us could, could forecast tactically, but even before that, you know, there was complaints like, Hey, Gaethje's not as aggressive. He's more of a back foot fighter. He's more willing to kind of be in that back and forth striking uh instead of a uh, pressuring striking where he kind of initially came in and same with Kamaru came in as a pressuring striker right really adding that to his wrestling but and not trying to you know uh conversely blame this on Trevor Whitman but we've seen that kind of adjustment too so I don't know if that's now becoming muscle memory Scott to what Scott was saying as far as like you would see him kind of just trigger back into you know away from what what was winning him the fight and into that danger zone 
It, it was definitely surprising. That that was just the, that was my one takeaway. I think from from the fifth round, other than of course the amazing knockout because there, that was that. But like the the sure. four minutes up to that, it's still uh, he was winning. Like I think he was pretty much going to win that round too. It wasn't it wasn't yep. a big round, regardless. But I I don't think you could have pointed to anything Leon Edwards was doing in those first four minutes that said, oh, okay, this this guy's still in it. This guy's going to win the round. Obviously, we were talking, we were writing his obituary more or less, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, moving on, obviously, we could kind of go deep into this forever, but we've got some other topics we want to get to, especially before we get to our contested rounds. And, and I really wanted to make sure we give a little bit of attention to Luke Rockhold here, who, of course, uh, he decided to end his uh, mixed martial arts career. He says he is getting old, which kind of, hurts me because he's not a year older than me. He's less than a year older than me. Um, so there's that, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I get it. He's, he definitely looked like an old fighter in there against Paulo Costa, who is very much not an old fighter. I think he was a 30, 31 years old, somewhere along those lines. He's, you know, more or less fighting athletic prime there. Um, but still dangerous, you know, he does his F you, uh, a few strikes and all that, you know, it was, it was, it was a wild fight, but looking back on his career and we'll start with you, Dan, Tom, what, what kind of, what do you think of when you think of Luke Rockhold as a fighter? Uh, I think of the old strike force days, you know, uh, but, but this is my nostalgia speaking, but as a fighter, um, yeah, I wasn't sure what to think of him, which is why I probably wasn't picking him coming into this fight. Right. Because he was off for three years and he didn't look that great. Not even just, you know, up at light heavyweight against Jan Blakovich, but even before that, you know. So what I thought of him as a fighter was a big question mark. There was obvious the respect and the nostalgia that comes with a resume like a Luke Rockhold, especially for, for guys like us who have followed the sport, you know, around the times we have, right? Um, so, yeah, certainly those things trigger. But uh, uh, I think we I think we got the answer. And more importantly, he, hopefully, we should say, we know how MMA retirements are right hashtag MMA retirements but hopefully he got the got the message from it which was a very identifiable one man i, I know my guy casey Leiden posted something and i was just like i feel that too man um again a guy not far off age of, of luke rockhold um you know and when they were matching me up they were like talking about like you know uh, why why it makes sense and why how things balance out and they were talking about my strengths in comparison to maybe my opponent's possible weaknesses i was like okay and they were like he's young you're older, older. And I'm like, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> okay. I'm that guy. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Fudge, 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 fudge. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. Don't kill me, Dan Irvin. Don't kill me. Don't kill me. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It, it, it you know, th- essentially that's what uh, Luke Rockhold kind of was like in the post fight interview, right? He had that kind of, that kind of feel. So I think we all felt him there. Well, Dan Tom's never coming back on the show. <laughs> I know. I just lost it. I lost it. I, I get. I'm kid. Of course, it's okay. That's what we got post editing for. But uh, but other Dan, your other Dan this time. Sorry. Um, what uh, maybe I'll trade it off. You guys will be other Dan here and there. Uh, what what about you? When you think of Luke Rockhold and, and his career in general too, like what do you, what do you think of? I I got like when I think of Luke Rockhold, I I remember certain moments where I was like watching Strike Force when he won the title over Jack Ray. I remember watching because yeah. that, that's when you know Showtime had cool events going on, and yeah. uh, I remember you that. Really I was like, "Who? Who is oh, really shots fired? Who is this shots guy? Fired. Who is this guy that's beating up Jacare right now?" And then I remember uh, him one arm guillotining Michael Bisping from Mal. I'm like, "How do you finish from that?" And then I remember being in 
the uh, arena when he absolutely destroyed Machida. And uh, I didn't get to go to that fight. I was at a wedding. I was at my buddy's wedding. I was in that wedding, actually. Okay. So, yeah, I couldn't go to that one, which was disappointing because I'm big Machida fan for a very long time. Uh, You know, I'm not I'm not a fan in the sense of like I'm going to fanboy out, but he was my first favorite fighter. So, yeah, to not go to that fight was a little disappointing. Granted, he knocked him out. So, you know, not that I would have been crying on press row, but, you know, shoot, it's still uh, it would have been cool to go. I kind of feel Uh like he was always the guy to rise to the occasion. Like he was kind of always kind of counted out a little bit. I think that's probably fair to a point because I think and this kind of lumps in, I think, what all you guys said, like you think of strike force when you think of Luke Rockhold, you think of strike force and much like all the strike force guys who came in. I would I would say men and women, but I don't think because the women weren't integrating with other women necessarily. I'm talking specifically about the men who were coming into where other men were. Um, you know, we, we knew who Ronda was. We knew who Misha Tate was, but they were they were fighting the same women. Um, but when the you know, the middleweights come over and the light heavyweights and the heavyweights, they come over and the welterweights all the way down. Um, there's a certain degree of. Oh, you know, they're not UFC guys, you know, they're not going to win. Yeah, of course, we saw how many strike force guys go on and win championships in the UFC and have have really excellent careers. Um, I think when I think of Luke Rockhold, I think of violence, just just violence, no matter what, whether he's the one who's giving it or he's the one who's taking it. Um, and, and with, of course, that very lasting image we have of him just rubbing his bloody nose all over the face (laughs) of Paulo Costa. I mean, if you needed any one more reminder of what he did, it was violence. It was always violent and bloody and wild. And I mean, this was the first time in the UFC that he went to a decision and it was still a wild, crazy fight. Even when he's, he's resting his hands on his knees, like, like he's a basketball player taking a blow between between plays uh which by the way his father was a professional basketball player too so maybe he picked up that that move from his dad (laughs) altitude was doing no favors Um, on saturday yeah but but uh man uh, violence absolutely when i think of luke rockhold i'm gonna think of violence uh and i will think of the fact that i actually did have a bet on him uh to lose to jacare in that fight that you brought up so uh, i lost my yeah i did uh, that was with like an offshore book. Honestly, I was kind of glad to lose it because I didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah, you were sick so of my it was money. Kinda, it, it was just like, I didn't want to deal with them anymore. And then they kept on like chasing me for weeks. And I'm like, man, I don't want to do your service. Take me off your list. So eventually they <laughs> left me alone. I forget what Jeez. it was. Jeez. My, my only random Jacare Rockle memory was that that fight taught me what a Gramby roll was because Rockle was doing Gramby rolls in the, their little <laughs> countdown. And as, as a, a younger still act uh, uh, active competitor back then. Like, I need to learn how to do that. <laughs> and I remember once I learned how to do it, I felt so cool. Um, e- even though, you know, it's so it's a weird move, but I was like, Oh yeah, this, this rock hold guy is pretty athletic and, you know, dynamic and stuff. So not to keep continuing on that, but that's just a random memory. So, well, I'll give you a fun fact before we move on to our final topic uh, here. And that is that the Granby role is the favorite move of a very surprising fighter who I spoke to recently, and that is Tom Aspinall. That is nice. his, that I, he thinks he thinks that's like the coolest more. technique in mixed martial arts. That makes me like him more. Like I was just I was just telling uh, Oscar Willis, like he seems like a guy that I would. I mean, I know it sounds overplayed, and this uh, this is not something I would say as much as people might think about uh, the people we cover. But Aspinall is a genuine guy. I just would love to have a beer with man. 
He does seem like he'd be that type. He's be, you know, like like minus minus two thousand. He's a cool dude to have a beer with. You know what I'm saying? Like you're probably <laughs> yeah. working with pretty good odds there. I'm just saying. Probably, and he can have a few more of them lately while he recovers. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Just, just head on out to. Uh, I think he's in the Manchester area, if I if I'm not mistaken. Just fly on out and just see if you can catch him at the pub. Yeah. After 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 this uh, whole fighting business, I'm gonna mm. catch up on a lot of beers. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <A lot. Nice>. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, again, our last topic here before we get into our contested rounds uh, is is of course Jose Aldo, and I I hate to like go to you know losing fighters necessarily because obviously he lost, Rockhold lost, but yeah, you know, and, and this is, there's there's obviously big stuff off of Marab, but we just don't have enough time to go into everything, right? So I'd like to focus here on the legend Jose Aldo because where where does this loss really leave? him his career the fact that he's been trying to push for that second title uh dan urban what do you think i think it's clear you gotta you gotta give him cruise now cruise aldo Next okay fight. so you, you you don't even care about the I, fact that no just, i mean you, you're no. not you're not interested in his potential title push you just wanted to serve your own means do this right now fight. before you lose out on it okay well i will say that i completely agree with you in the sense that i really want that fight very badly and i want it in a blue cage with with a blue uh with a blue <laughs> canvas and I want Joe Martinez to be announcing for it. Uh, and, and I want all that stuff. I want everything. And Brittany Palmer has to be cage side holding up the cards, no matter what. She has to be there. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. But man, I just feel disappointed for the guy. Like he was trying to make that last push, and it, you know, he got really close, but it's he just wasn't there. Like it, it really wasn't in him. He didn't have he didn't have three full rounds of competition in him to be able to push and against against the machine Marab Devalishvili. Even if he stops all the takedowns, obviously he he wasn't winning that fight, unfortunately. So, yeah, that that's a tough pill to swallow, especially for someone who has a lot of respect for Jose Aldo. But you know, you you don't have you try not to have horses in the race if you're covering the sport. I spoke to Marab for uh, for for the post actually recently, and he was he was wonderful to talk to. He was he you could tell that he he was trying not to treat it as like just another fight, but also he couldn't even help himself and he said like sometimes i think to myself this is crazy i'm fighting jose aldo it's like yeah he he fanboyed out a little bit too so you can <laughs> you kind of respect that he, he seems like a fun dude uh what about you other you're the other dan now this time dan tom uh what do you think of of this whole kind of where does this leave jose aldo it's tough because um i was gonna say you know title picture stuff because that's the position he put himself in but boy did he not fight like it right and you know maybe he didn't have he definitely didn't have three rounds, but maybe he didn't have the two rounds. Maybe, maybe he did. Uh, you know, um, I don't think it'll it'll interfere with what we're going to talk about later. But uh, I just feel like his corner really did him a disservice there. I will say that. As far as I think, it's a really good example of high level corners, even respected ones like Dede Pedaneras, who's been around the game. Um, he, you know, For you can really look at that, that. That yeah, you can look at that home Vieira fight where he literally you know disowned his own fighter between round four and five in a fight they were winning because he didn't understand the criteria he thinks they lost they won this fight he thinks they won um they lost so that's really tough and so because of that regardless of who you want to put the blame i'm more in dan urban's camp let's have the fun fights versus Cruz. though i will say i was more of a Cruz versus edgar guy because i've been on record of calling for that fight since 2015 so uh, that was my bold prediction. We were going to see it in 2016, in 2015. So if, for me, I would love to see that. 
And I'll so well then who are we gonna give you know Cruz? That's the question they just pitched you on this podcast, Dan. Well, my wild card he is here. Didn't Cub Swanson say he's dropping down to one thirty five? And I will add, add, even though I hate rematches and I'm pitching yet another rematch. Let's be honest, that fight happened in WEC, and it was really quick. It was the opening uh, flying knee that that took Cub out, right? And that was on the first little... WEC card I ever watched live. Oh. Great. Yeah. The SoCal tattoos and everything. And what, what, what really pissed me off guys, especially in hindsight, uh, I don't know if it was public or not because we interviewed a couple on MMA junkie radio and he had a good relationship with the guys. So I don't know if this was like off, off, um, off interview talk, but essentially before he took that fight with Brian T city or Ortega, he was on like a nice little winning streak. It was probably Cubs last winning streak without looking right guys. He actually had some momentum, some negotiating power. He was supposed to fight Jose Aldo. That fight, that rematch was supposed to be in the works, but they throw Aldo in a needless rematch right away against Max Holloway, the guy that brutalized him. Remember, it was kind of a short notice in Detroit, UFC 218. So Aldo goes and gets executed there. Meanwhile, Cub gets off with his head guillotine, guillotine by Ortega. There goes his win streak, when really you could have paid the respects of legends who, even at that point, guys, that was like four years ago, it was improbable for those guys to be on win streaks or even winning more than they lost. And they threw that opportunity away. Make up for it now down at Bantamweight. Oh, a decade later, I don't care. Let's do it. Cup Swanson, Jose Aldo. <laughs> See, I think I'm of the point. I'm of the belief right now that I want Cruz versus Edgar first because obviously mm-hmm. that's like if you're gonna do it, it's now or never. It literally is yep. now or never. But literally. I just, I also don't believe it will happen. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind mm-hmm. of mentally moving on as much as I would like yeah. it. I, I think I'm, I'm accepting the reality that it might just be too quick to get, you know, Dominic Cruz back in there three months later yeah. to fight Frankie Edgar because why? Why does he want to do it? You know, like right. what, what's his personal motivation? Does he care about the same things we do? I doubt it. So right. that's why I'm like, you know what? If we can't have that, fine. Do the other one. Just, just do the the ultimate yeah. WEC Super Bowl. Yes, you know? I want one of them. I'm with you there. I'm with you. That, that's where mm-hmm. I'm at. So. <laughs> We'll probably but, get Ricky uh, Simone. Yeah, that's where we'll probably That'd be interesting. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Just Wrestling. another legend retiring kind of thing, or what? Yeah. Or actually, or well, actually, it was Edgar or uh, or Faber who beat Ricky Simone, right? I have it backwards in my head. Faber beat Ricky Simone. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, I mixed myself up for a second. Never mind. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that that's it for our topics. We, you know, Dan, of course, we like to give the um, uh, kind of the the review of how the judges uh fared in terms of how much they agreed just as a quick little report so uh, mr urban you want to just kind of go over that real quick yeah so in the ufc in salt lake city uh the judges were 21 of 26 unanimous rounds 80.80.7 percent two of those rounds they disagreed on were just between nines and eights so only three rounds they disagreed on the winner technically and that, oh. that's a high percentage too. anything over it's like 73 is kind of the, the natural like order of things where things balance out at, at, especially at the UFC level. It's not much different in, you know, other major promotions too, but yeah, typically if you see them get it to 80%, they've had a reasonably good night in terms of just the, the straight numbers of how much they agree or not agree. Mm-hmm. Nice. And then in, in PFL, they were in England. So they were, you were in yeah. England on uh, London yeah. on Saturday. You know, obviously it was nighttime over there, but it was afternoon for for folks of us over here on the East Coast. And Dan, it was probably Dan or uh, Dan Tom, excuse me, it was probably in the morning for you, at least late morning. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know if you guys all caught it, but but yeah, Dan, what do you what do you yeah, got there? Twelve of fifteen unanimous rounds for eighty percent. One of those rounds being a nine eight split. 
So, so another great uh, showing there. And the judges over there, of course, the the vaunted, uh, excellent judges that we often see working out of England, you know, the likes of Ben Cartledge, Mark Collette, David Letheby, uh, Daryl Ransom. That was the foursome that worked all those fights. But they actually got pretty lucky. They got a lot of uh, finishes uh, over there. So they had, they had much fewer rounds to have to worry about. It was, it was, it was a lucky break for them. That's a cool name, Daryl Ransom. Like if they did those old school <laughs> panning, the old UFCs where they would like show the judge on camera. I yes. expect the, like whoever Daryl Ransom, I expect him to be holding somebody with like a, their mouth with his <laughs> hand over their mouth. Sorry. He, he looks very that similar violent. to that, that except aggressive. not very. <laughs> um, and I, I'm not, not trying to insult the man. He, he's, he's a solid judge. Um, but he, he definitely seems a little more unassuming, at least when you look at him. Now, could he choke me out in three seconds? There's a good chance of it. I, I'm, I'm sure he grapples and he could probably just destroy me. But he is much less. I think you can blend in a little more is what I'm saying. You know, Does he look like Gary Sinise? I'm, I'm 90s movies referencing no, everybody here. Not at all. Ransom, okay sorry the movie ransom with mel gibson all right sorry about i that. have not seen ransom no <laughs> i don't know that i mean i've heard of it i've heard of that movie but i've never saw it myself but you know what i know a lot of movies too but, but we're not going to go on a movie here. <laughs> we're not gonna get, rounds. i tried folks that's all right i, I love movies so you do it another time that's fine um contested rounds here we only have five rounds to talk about because 21 out of 26 were unanimous here so kind of a lighter uh, contested round set we've got here, and only one of them was even on the main card. We, we everyone was in agreement, or or just, you know, it just was actually like pretty solid, easy to judge main card more or less. And we'll get to the one later, but we have to start with. Uh, I think this was the fight that probably caused the most uproar on social media at the time. And, and anytime you get a split card, that's going to happen. But Sean Woodson who fought uh, Luis Saldana to a split draw. It was 29-27 for Woodson, 29-27 for Saldana, and then a 28-28 as, as that would go. So rounds two and three are what we are going over in this particular fight after there was uh, a, a round one by Saldana, but a point deducted made it a 9-9 round. So that's where we stand going into round two. Mr. Urban, would you like to set us up here? Yeah, also round one did. There's an argument to go 10-8 round one, but no judge did, so we're not talking about we're it. We're not going into that one. Yeah. We don't have the time. Round two, uh, I, on the feed, I think it's pretty even. I thought both guys were missing quite a bit, actually. Uh, Saldana was countering while going backwards. Woodson was the one going forward, landing some decent straights. Uh Saldana does get a takedown and gets caught in his buggy choke for the better part of two minutes. This is a move that's taking over the grappling scene. It doesn't look like anything, but, you know, there's an actual submission there. And I thought he was stuck in it for two minutes, which kind of indicates that maybe it wasn't that deep. But I do think it was a solid attack. And I think that wins him the round 10-9. You know, it may not have been deep. It's hard to say. But also, he does adjust for it. You know, he, he definitely uh, makes an attempt to get away from it after it's already kind of seemingly locked in a little bit to a degree. So I think you have to at least score it as something. This this mm -hmm. was a viable attack that forced the man to adjust. I think that's why I give that one some points here. Uh, it's funny you mentioned the, the buggy choke too being like kind of this new the scene because I didn't I didn't know about the buggy choke like at all until Dan, it was when you and I were in Niagara Falls yeah. and I was watching the Will Brooks against Luis Pena fight, Violent Bob Ross, because Pena is going for the buggy choke. I think more than once, if I recall, but I don't think he had it very uh, strong or deep or anything like that at that point either. Uh, it was, I think that was a split decision that went Will Brooks way anyway, too. But that was the first time I'd heard of it. It's only within the last month 
It's the first time I'd ever really been exposed to this particular choke. But yeah, I mean, it, for all the reasons you outlined here, I feel pretty solid that this is a, a Woodson round. I, I didn't think that what Saldana was landing was distinctly uh, more effective in terms of the striking than what I even saw was Woodson landing. I thought Woodson was had some pretty solid lands on the feet, and I kind of had him up a little bit going to the ground. And then when when we get to the ground here, there's nothing happening from Saldana. This is at the very least. Um, we're not seeing Saldana in positions that he's choosing to be in. He's he's not in control of the situation. So yeah, I, I felt like on the whole, that's a Woodson round. What about you, uh, our our guest here, Dan? Yeah, it was it was interesting. I saw a colleague uh, of ours who was also at the conference with you guys, Aaron Bronstetter, said that the buggy choke was was demonstrated, which was really interesting. So it, this is tough. It's a close round uh, for me. Um, I might have time stamped it wrong, but I time stamped at one thirty three to the end of the round. We get the buggy choke. Um, about right. But but even if it's even if it's two, uh, even if it's at the two minute mark, I still don't think it would have affected the way I scored it. Um, because obviously the takedown doesn't have a lot of impact. Um, I like to credit um, advancements if they're working towards something, but I don't, I think Saldana's barely able to get a strike off and breathe for not even a second, because as soon as he passes, that's when the buggy choke is thrown, uh, is thrown on there. So obviously that negates any kind of, any kind of minimal minuscule credit you wanted to give Saldana in the first place is overtaken there. But I still, it, it's tough because I want to a praise uh, officials for whether it's at their conferences that you guys are attending or actually in practice, right? I'm kind of keeping that same energy and crediting a fighter off their back. How many times through how many iterations, right? Of fandom and the sport, have we complained? Oh, Mighty Mouse Johnson, Miguel Torres, or whatever fight you want to throw out there, where you thought a fighter may have had an argument for winning off their back, right? So, how are we going to then complain if a judge actually credits a fighter for attempting offense off their back, right? So, if anybody wants to give what's in the round based off that, you are not crazy. And if anything, part of me praises you, right? But I went Saldana because, again, whether we're talking 133 or two minutes, um, it's less than half of the round. And what's happening in the first half? Uh, I feel like there's more than enough to grade as far as damaging strikes in the first half. He starts off with Saldana getting the better of the exchanges with some kicks and some counters in the beginning of the round. But Woodson comes back with some really nice jabs and straights. Now, those are all to the head. And it was funny. People, uh, other analysts like myself, who are a fan of, of, of Z body work, if you will. Woodson's actually really good at working the body. He almost does it not at all this fight. And it was driving a lot of us crazy. But it might have actually helped them um, uh, as far as the scorecards go. And the fact that when he was striking, he was making it very clear down the center. These straight shots in round two are also snapping Saldana's head back. So again, more ammo for anyone wanting to score this for Woodson. But again, that success is sandwiched in between Saldana's, uh, who I felt was more successful on the feet in the beginning that I just cited. And after those straight jabs, Saldana comes back with some punches. I don't know if Woodson already had this damage uh, and it was fresh or it was already there and he made it worse. But either way, he's actually making him bleed with some of his own counter right hand Saldana's and we're actually seeing visual damage shortly after he scores the takedown. And of course, we're in the buggy choke. And even though I'm a jujitsu guy, so perhaps a lot of you that know me might think, well, Dan's bias should maybe be, you know, he's contrarian, jujitsu, you know, guys off his back. 
Um, for me, it's it's tough because even though I'm no connoisseur of this choke, I am familiar with it. And when I was watching it, Saldana looked uncomfortable at points, like he was trying to navigate. Um, the only part that it looked close is Saldana was trying to navigate an escape, but he went the wrong way. And I remember saying, it like, no, you don't want to go that way. You're going to make it tighter. And you could see that he felt it go tighter. And that kind of scared him. And then for like the last 45 seconds to a minute, he just kind of sits there. And what upset me, not from a scoring, or I had no dog in the fight. I picked Woodson, if anything. Um, so scoring it for Saldana, I had no dog here, folks, for what it's worth. Uh, but I was just upset from like a, a watching and analytical perspective because I'm like, you should be elbowing here to score because you got to take down, you got to pass. If you elbow, you can overtake what is a submission attempt that doesn't look to be in. And if you elbow, you can perhaps loosen Woodson's grip, right? And then get yourself out. So the fact that he doesn't even throw an elbow the entire time, not at a strike at all. I mean, he leaves the door open for you to score this just really for Woodson. But I went with the more damaging strikes in the first half of the round, albeit slightly 10-9 Saldana here. It's funny. You you make a really compelling argument for Woodson while you say it's Saldana. That's that's the funny thing, I feel like, because you're, you're, you're saying that he has to account for this choke, right? And the the fact that he, you know, he kind of adjusts, he goes the wrong way. He actually puts himself in a more damaging position. Now, granted, he put himself there is what you're saying, but the damage mm. is there. That 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 to me says that you really have to give some real weight to this uh, more immediately impactful thing here. This is uh, you could argue if you think he's putting himself into more danger that this could be one of the highest spots of the round in terms of fight ending potential. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to tell. I mean, he definitely was the closest to ending the fight because we don't know how close it was. Sure. Um, I, I was definitely upset with his defense, but what was Saldana doing? He was giving the thumbs up, showing that he was okay. At the uh, very which end, is not, which is not been in this uh, for like a minute and 20 at this point. No, he, he, he had the thumbs up for um, for a while. It, oh, okay. it was actually kind of annoying me because that's why I was saying elbow. I'm like, dude, if you got enough, if you got enough to tell the ref you're okay. And like, because he, it almost seemed like he was only thinking about the visuals as far as scoring goes, what we're talking about. It felt like that was almost in Saldana's head too much in the wrong way. It's like, do some of your own scoring, bro. Don't worry about trying to sell the, even after the bell rang, he's like, what was that? I don't know what that was. And again, I, I commend him for the acting job. You have to do what you got to do or what, you know, but, um, but yeah, he really left the door open for it. So I, I'm, I'm very, I'm, yeah, I'm very sympathetic, obviously to the Woodson score, but the damage that I could see being done, um, in what, what, where, where the fight took place most of the round, I feel like Saldana did that and got some things to show for that attacked more areas. Um, and just, again, if I've got my, if I got my two arbitrary horses at the carnival race, taking a couple paces, it was just a couple paces ahead for Saldana, just in my eyes that. And that, that's it again. Also, these buggy chokes, we've seen them. Uh, we were just going over some in, in, in class the other day, but again, this is these are also very um low percentage things, you know what I'm saying? I mean, even yeah. just men's division and pick a weight class off your back, it doesn't matter. Even the more technical divisions, I'll give you that. We're still talking low percentage, so unless I see something, uh, like some frantic wiggling, some like you know, when the, the guy's going for the guillotine, he has to give and turn his back and give out a position and really. You know, if the guy's able to at least stay on top, yeah, he's not doing anything to a frustrating extent, and that that pisses me off for multiple reasons to Saldana. But I didn't see, I didn't see the damage or danger, and you know, I could have been wrong. He could have just gone out. We've seen if you watch past buggy chokes in MMA, guys will just go out and they they think they're safe. So again, it's tough to tell. That's why I, I I'm totally okay with with crediting Woodson there. 
Sure, sure, sure. But obviously, you know, Dan and I are the hosts of this show. We're the ones who are votes count more. It's just the way it is, sir. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's no, all good, all good, all good, all uh, good. But we, you know, we saw it the same way as uh, Derek Cleary, who gave it to Woodson. You were on the uh, the majority of the judges' side there, uh, Mike Bell and Rich Montanez. Uh, but right. what does it mean, sir, uh, my my compatriot here, Dan Urban, when we are on the same side as the lone judge? Couchside override. All right. Guest is not enough. It doesn't. It doesn't think it's high. <laughs> it's, it's not good. the way it works. It's all but, good. Uh, but we appreciate your presence nonetheless. Uh, and and it's of course, good. Eric Leary's uh, prizes in the mail, uh, as they all. Are. <laughs> uh, round three here, Dan uh, Urban. What do we have going on? I thought this was a pretty competitive round, and I also think neither fighter is doing much to pull away. Both seem dead tired. Not much steam on really any of the strikes uh, from either guy. But of the ones that that I think land, I think Woodson has a tad more effect. I thought the Travis Brown style elbows helped push it to that direction. Uh, so I'm on Woodson ten nine. Yeah, I'm with you. Honestly, I don't even have a ton to to add to this one. I just I I think I think a large percentage of people would give this round to Woodson. Although I don't think it's crazy to go the other way whatsoever. It's just I, I I'm I really just don't have a ton to add. I'm with you, sir. Um, that that's a Woodson round. What about you, uh, Mr. Tom? Uh, all you really got to do to score the round is like watch the first two minutes because literally it's all slop landed in the last three minutes of this round. Uh, no one lands anything good quality, but uh, I give it to Woodson because it's his bot. It's, it's largely his straights versus Saldana's kicks, but uh, there was more straights slash more cleaner straights landed than Saldana's kicks. So I go Woodson. And we're, you know, we're of course looking for the greater effect there. And yeah, I think probably in round three, when we're not seeing the, the same degree of, of uh, effect on the legs, you know, to, toward ending the fight by round three compared to the straight punches, it, you got to start weighing it. I feel like probably in that direction, uh, correct me mm. if I'm wrong, anybody who thinks uh, they disagree. I don't hate that. Uh, but yeah, so we're all of us are on the same page here, same as uh, Judges Bell and Cleary. It was the local Judge Montanez who gave this one to Saldana, um, which is why we ended up with, again, th- very disparate scores here. 29-27, 29-27, but on opposite ends, uh, and a 28-28. It's always weird the way it works because of that lost point, but it is the way it is. Um, we have a split draw. I don't hate it. I really don't. Um, but I, I do think it would have been a, a more prudent score, at least in my opinion, you know, like we said, capsule override. So, Hey, close rounds like this, it's always tough. And, uh, nobody likes a draw as, as the crowd, let everybody know that we don't, <laughs> we don't like it when nobody wins, make sure somebody wins. Yeah. This, <laughs> this isn't is soccer. A lot of booze. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, a lot of kicking though, still kicking. Um, <laughs> but you can't use your head. That's the other thing. Moving on to our next, uh, and this is a majority decision so this isn't again we, we've got kind of some ortho, unorthodox finishes here usually we get you know split decision victory you have decision victory last few weeks we've had a bunch of all sorts of stuff right so now we have a majority decision victory for marching tybora over alexander romanoff stymieing the prospects rise here 29 28 twice and a 28 28 we're talking about a round one in which there is a potential 10 8 that's what we're here to determine Dan, what happened? Yeah, it's Dan a to- <laughs> it's it's Damn a total it. shutout. <laughs> total shutout here. Romanov's having his way with Tybor in the grappling department, picking up, slamming him. Dare I say, ragdolling him a little bit? Uh, I will say this: it's not the most damaging round, but I think it's it's total domination. I think Romanov is outclassing Tybor in this round. He couldn't do anything from the bottom. 
what pushes it to a 10-8 for me, it's that final minute uh, where Romanov seems to actually start pushing for a finish. He's landed some good strikes, a lot of them. Uh, the thing is, I, I understand, you know, maybe the damage isn't all that high, but I think it's there enough, along with solid dominant, solid duration. I think we go 10-8. I'm with you. I, I think this is a round that really ought to be a 10-8 for all the reasons you outlined. I mean, by the scores, I mean, by the, excuse me, by the criteria as written, of course, that this, this is a viable 10-8, can't consider, and it certainly seemed like a, a round that ought to be different from the other two rounds that we ended up seeing. You know, I, I get really disappointed when I think the criteria actually fails to get to the fact that maybe we don't actually have the right winner based on, you know, <laughs> what we all saw. It's just the nature of the criteria being what it is, where mm -hmm. they push you, that push judges, especially the, the ABC with the the uh, guidelines that they put out, their little training, uh, whatever training document that they released at the ABC conference when I was there, specifically saying 95% of rounds should be a 10-9. And that is kind of where the data had fallen more or less anyway, at least since uh, since we started to see that decrease again in 10-8s in after the, uh, the infamous Jan versus Izzy fight, round five, that I reference all the time on this show. Um, but... It, you know, you watch those other two rounds of this fight. You watch Tybura take control, and he wins rounds two and three because Romanov's fading, right? But are those two rounds distinctly, like, more, I don't know, more, I guess just more than what Romanov was able to do in that round one where he absolutely crushed him for five minutes? And realistically, I mean, if it won't just stop the fight, you know, because it's a you have to take a break, like, realistically, he could probably still continue to ride out this position and potentially win. You know, that's the way it is. That's the way fighting goes in the sport. We've designated five minute rounds. Man, I just want to see more liberal use of 10, eights and sevens and not because judges are allowed to do it right now. I get that they're not. I'm not saying that they need to start changing what they're doing, but I really want to see regulators start looking more into how we can widen the 10, eight and the 10, seven definitions to get more rounds, not be the 95% of the five, you know, of, of, uh, of 10, nine rounds. It doesn't get, the results to always match what we actually watched a fight. So that's why I get disappointed. But having said that, I think you still can based on the written criteria as it is go for a 10, eight here. But I know that that's not the norm. They're looking for high damage. Now they really want damage to be one of those two. And yeah, so I'm not surprised that it's a 10, uh, nine, eight split here. And that actually the majority went nine. Uh, that was Sal D'Amato and Mike Bell. It was Derek Cleary who saw this one as a 10, eight. So I'm not surprised it went that way, but I'm not surprised. I'm just disappointed. You know, that, that's hmm. the same thing that you, you kind of hear. Maybe your parents said it to you or maybe mine did. I don't know. <laughs> right. What about right. you, Dan, Dan, Tom? What are, where are you at with this round? Well, it's an interesting one. One, I, just to touch on your, your disappointment, I, I will say that too, because I think it's also a great solve for the entertainment factor because you are giving fighters incentive uh, as what well, you know, because it also helps the fairness factor because they are incentivized, you know, in, in a perfect world because it, it, it's fair that you're going to know that, like, okay, if I go for the finish, especially if I'm at high elevation, I'm a heavyweight or whatever, it doesn't matter the context. I go for it and I lay it on my opponent to, 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 to get them a bagel, as John Attic says, you know, the significant strikes department where, you know, 437 or 430 on, it's all Romanoff. Like, you should be rewarded for that. Like, this guy, especially at heavyweight, if we talk literal context, like if a guy gets a 10-8 and doesn't get the finish, he's probably not going to see the final bell. Romanov's lucky to have seen the bell, so it might not even matter. 
God damn it. Let's, let's reward them when they go for go for it and they can check some boxes in the criteria, right? Because under the criteria, I agree. Obviously, you get the uh, dominance and the duration. It's the damage is the most important, D. That's what we're looking at here. Um, and I said on my podcast before I went back to watch it, which I did for this podcast, because I got to come correct here, folks. I can't, <laughs> can't be mailing it in. Not that I do for my show, obviously. I'm just, just saying I try to come correct as I can. We here. know the ones you mail in. But but honestly, it did well. It did it didn't change that much, guys. I will say this: going back to rewatch it, I was more sympathetic to the nine because the damage wasn't as much as I remember. And now, keep in mind, folks. Uh, full disclosure: uh, I, 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 you know, I do I do MMA gambling for part of my beat, and uh, I may or may not have had a, a, a Romanoff by TKO ticket, right? Mm, so I, I, I'm maybe. I'm so maybe I'm willing it in my head, you know. So maybe watching live, I think it's closer. But even soberly, the results are digested. We're we're doing this for work here. We're sticking to the criteria, folks. I'm going and watching it with a with an open mind and all that stuff, uh, and, and sticking to the criteria. And you know what? It, it it it's still the same thing I said on my podcast. It not maybe not by like a photo finish a hair, but yes, it just barely gets over the line as far as that spectrum of a 10, eight, right. As far as clear 10, eight to just barely 10, eight. Yes. It's obviously more just on the, just barely side 10, eight, if that makes sense. But referencing your guys as a ABC criteria, as far as that 95 percentile chart on most are 10 nines. There's also what I like to call the common sense, uh, common sense test guys, which is we can go ahead and let's go ahead and take like 70%, 75% of that gigantic 95% scoring ratio of 10, nine rounds. And in that 75% sample of all the samples they allow, guys, we're taking a whole bunch of scenarios, right? We're putting them on the plate in front of us, right? We've got all those 10, nine scenarios on our plate. Now go ahead and take this Romanoff Tybor round one that we're dissecting, put it on that same plate. There's no way in, in heck that it looks like any of those rounds, guys. It doesn't look like any of those mm-hmm. 10, 9 rounds. They are not the same species. Yeah. So for the common sense, it's a clear 10-8. For criteria, we're trying to be sticklers here. We're trying to get all get on the same page. I still think it hits the 10-8. Not clear as day, but it gets there. It's it's like Scott likes to say. It's a different round. It's a different round. That's I do like yeah. to say that. Yeah, it's just yeah. A, a round that's different really ought to be treated as such because we've, mm. we've all seen rounds like, I mean, what we're saying here is that this round, this round for uh, Romanov, for all the work he did, is a 10-9. And so is what Carlos Barza did against Rose Namajunas in their rematch earlier this year. That is also right. a 10-9. These are the same rounds. These are the same scores. It's it, it just doesn't make any sense. But I don't I do not fault the judges. I fault the tools that they are given and I want them mm-hmm. to be given better tools. And I think a lot of them actually who I speak to very often I hear people agree. So I, I hope it, one day that will change. And one thing in defense of the judges and, 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 and the fight we like to bring in this argument, the Carlos Esparza fight for one end of the spectrum. And we like to say um, Jan Sterling round two. Right. And we may use this example for the next round we talk about, but I will say in defense of the judges giving the 10-9, we didn't have the Dan Mergliata going, you got to show me something and stepping in, you know, (laughs) Jason Herzog did get close, but they were for back of the head warnings. They were for fence grabs. There were other reasons on my second watch where the, 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 that was the reason why the referee kind of got close in there. Um, I, I saw some visual, uh, you know, the fighting spirit that isn't, you know, not, not the Modelo fighting spirit, but fighting spirit (laughs) isn't the criteria. And I feel like he was beating the the beating beating this fighting spirit out of Tybora for what it's worth. 
Well, you know, we all ended up on the same page here this time. We all have this one as a Romanov 10-8 round. We all saw it the same as Derek Cleary did. So, Dan, what does this mean again for for Mr. Cleary? Couchside override. (laughs) You guys better send him something this time now. No, we we always do. It's in the Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, it'll be heading down to Georgia soon. Uh, (laughs) uh, We have two more rounds here. Probably we don't have to go as deep into these rounds, I feel like, because, you know, they're a little less consequential and and all that kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, we'll start with Marab Devalishvili, who got the win over Jose Aldo. This was our only round from the main card, from the pay-per-view card that we're going over. He had 30-27 and two 29-28s. So that means our round one here is where we are split on the winner. Dan, why? Are we split on the winner? Yeah, what happened? Mainly because this is really not much going on this round. So yeah, is that uh, low output rounds are always you know tough to score. Uh, Toughest for the judges, and so are the crazy output rounds. So, but Mirab's throwing leg kicks. Aldo's checking most of them. Uh, the punches from Mirab's side are missing. The ones landing in the clinch, I don't think, are that strong. Aldo's not really throwing much of anything back. I mean, he does land a really good leg kick early that spins Mirab around. Then he landed a knee to the body as Marab kind of tried to close the distance. Uh, and then eventually Marab pushed him against the fence, and he, this is where he lands those clinch strikes. Aldo lands a solid punch to the body. I think it was a left. And then follows it up with another knee as Marab comes in to close the distance. And then that final 10 seconds, Aldo has a last minute, last couple second flurry, but really only connects with a, with his body kick. And uh, I'm on Aldo here. 10-9, I think the body work wins him this round, actually. What about you, uh, Dan Tom? It's funny. I was trying to be preemptive and take notes, and I'm all my notes were initially for round two because I thought that was going to be the round <laughs> we'd be talking about, <laughs> um, and decided to go back to go to go, go round one. And um, I thought this was, you know, and by the way, I, I picked and had a had a bet on Aldo, but I ultimately scored it live and on rewatch from a Rob for what that's worth. So can't. Can't, can't accuse me of the bias I, I here. I appreciate but... you uh, exposing your your potential biases in this situation as a better. I, I personally, I do appreciate that. That's at least out there in full disclosure. Got to man, got to. Um, again, you know, there, there there are people who, for whatever reason, come to me for information. I try to send uh, send them your guys' way, especially for this stuff. Uh, so I don't need to pollute your guys' feet as well. But no, um, <laughs> I, 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 that being said, that being stated, I do feel that this was a more clear around for um aldo and both for reasons that you can accuse me for my contrarian biases but no more importantly they all tie to criteria and and quite fairly clearly if you ask me um now this is around maybe where Dede Pedaneros could complain about um you know quote unquote stalling against the uh uh stalling against the fence and whatnot as far as the optics go but yeah I, I got round one um aldo is checking hard by the way you guys want to get upset at stats Go look at the leg kick stats. Um, they don't list it round by round on fight metric, but I believe they credit Marab like 27 out of 31. And I'm like, what? This round alone, he literally, there is maybe 2.5 to 3 leg kicks that Marab lands cleanly. Um, the rest are all checked or completely evaded. So I'm, I, I would love to, to see what kind of homework they're doing. Uh, you know, and no offense, Richard Mann, shouts to you, man. I, the real statisticians out there. I'm just saying... It's just, it's maddening, um, I, I, you know, uh, just go leg check. So, yeah, he's actually checking um, Rob's kicks, uh, landing uh, some some hard uh, some some hard body jabs here. Um, Rob does land a nice, uh, clean uh, kick in the first half of the fight. And then um, he uh, 
also lands a, a nice spin kick later on. But Aldo, every time he lands his most cleanest shots, you know, because Aldo will return with uh, a couple himself. I can't read my own handwriting. I think Dan Urban has a similar problem. You picked yes, up on I, him before. I so both do. I'm yeah. going to, I can read yeah, my I'm own. Gonna, I always could. I'm going to kind of uh, abandon my notes, but um, Marab, there's a lot of stuff that I'm writing here that he, he, it looks like he lands, but it doesn't. So maybe it could come down to how you judge things. And I was saying on my podcast that like, it's so hard to, um, cause there are people arguing about round two and I do think it was closer than people credit for, but I ultimately still scored that from Marab. I'm, I'm staying on round one. Don't get me wrong. I'm not getting sidetracked here. Yeah. We can't get sidetracked. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm bringing, I'm, I'm bringing, uh, just of the fact that a lot of what Marab was, was throwing to, to me was, um, you know, a, a lot of it wasn't hitting clean or getting checked. And even though I was saying in my podcast, that's where I was getting off at is that Marab can kind of chin bully because and cardio bully because he just doesn't get tired. He doesn't, you know, I was like, these knees could like be breaking the rib, but like you wouldn't know because it's Marab. So even though I credit quality strikes more, I also have to keep my speculation in check, right? If Marab isn't showing damage. But when I went back to watch it, which the judges don't have this uh this luxury folks when i went back to watch it like uh, in these strikes round one we're talking about the relevant round marab's like smiling and like doing that thing uh and i'm and i don't know to me i i know that's kind of gray it's not you know it's not in the criteria you can't you know score score smiling against somebody right but like that is probably the only acknowledgement you're ever going to get from a guy like marab that a strike landed so for me i'm like that's actually pretty good i don't know like sure. I, I i can't be in the judges heads I can't tell them. I, I, I think those are indicators. How, I think people accept those as, right? as general indicators. Not all the time. I'm, you know, I'm sure everything is different, but I don't think you're off base here. I think people look for, especially like, yeah, I always think of Carlos Felipe. Whenever he yeah. got punched, yes. uh, he was always just like, no, didn't hit me. Shake his head. No. Yeah. Like, come on, guy. All you're doing is telling them that it actually touched you. That's yes, yeah, yeah, so that's smile here and there, you know. That I think that's judges can look for that kind of thing, but you know, they're I'm sure they're looking for many other tells as well. They're looking for you know, heads sure. being snacked back, they're looking for you know, progress being stopped, you know, they're looking for the combo to be abandoned, that kind of thing, resetting all that stuff. All those things are good indicators, right? And and, and of course, on top of that, the actual physical, you know, what's left on the body in, in the wake of these type of things, right? So um yeah i i i also had this one for aldo I, i'll keep it short and sweet I, I definitely had it for aldo i was like dan uh, a little surprised that this was the the split round also round two i figured it was going to be a close round when, when i heard the cars i said okay maybe that'll be the split round um and and you brought up richard man richard man actually asked me afterward he said uh, you know would based on the criteria can you can you justify why round two should be uh a, a marab round and and to keep it very short and sweet, I, I essentially said that he landed some pretty solid strikes, I think, on the feet early, and he landed a lot of knees in the clinch that, you know, it's mm. hard to really grade those. But I think the way – the places he's landing and the number of them, I, I don't think you discount these things. They're not pitter-patter. Sure. When you're landing Absolutely. those in the clinch, and, and, I mean, you could speak to it better than probably any of us. Uh, Mr. Tom is like when you're when you're sitting there and you're getting those, those knees in there, if, especially if you're in sparring, it's like that's not – that's not friendly. That hurts. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm Mr. Cumulative guy, right? I'm like Mr. Like, okay, I think we, you know, I think we can fall a little bit into the media. Let's not forget about the cumulative. So <laughs> I got to keep that same energy here, right? I got to keep that same energy to what Scott's saying. Like those count for something. 
And uh, I will say Aldo did kind of give some bad optics. He was like shying away from some at the end of one of those rounds. So not not good optics to the knees. Sure, sure, sure. But uh, so, yeah, all three of us on the same page, Jose Aldo round one, Saldomato, Chris Lee had it that way as well. It was Mike Bell, who was the uh, the out judge here. Uh, not crazy, but it's OK. Moving on to our final round here. This is another eight, nine split uh, in the in the Losa, right? Angelosa, am I saying that right? Yep. Uh, got the win over AJ Fletcher. Unanimous decision, 29-28 twice and a 29-27. So round three, we already know he's won it. He's got it locked up. But to what degree here, Dan? What, where are we talking about this as an 8-9? Well, I mean, Fletcher's dead tired. Another victim of altitude here. Uh, and and Losha gets on top of him, and he just starts teeing off with huge elbows for, like, I don't know, 30 seconds. Um, solid damage here this round. and But then, I mean, you get the like, last, like, Three and a half minutes, he's just laying on top of him, throwing body, body, head, pretty much. Uh, I think those do add up cumulatively. Fletcher had absolutely no, no offense. Those two combined, 10-8 for me. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't have a whole lot to add, to be honest. I think this is this is a, a big round by virtue of not a whole lot being done by Fletcher and, and he takes a lot of damage. It's if you want, if you want damage to have to be one of those D's, I think you have it here. I, I actually do. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say 10, eight as well, sir. What about you, uh, Mr. Tom? I think that uh, if you thought Tabora Romanoff round one was a 10, eight, I feel like you have an easier time making a case here in short. Uh, and the one thing I said that was lacking that I thought was there in the Tabora Romanoff was the ref getting in for specifically to, to perhaps stop it, which should count a lot. That should tell you, you know, go off the ref's queue. They have a better view than even the judges, right, than, than, than us at home. Uh, and we had that at about 3.30 the round. The ref actually goes in to check um, in round three. So that that puts it over to 10-8 for me. I didn't even think it was going to go to decision, and I had a list of my decision ticket in my, in my hand, and I didn't think it was going to get there. So the fact that I had that thought alone, the ref had that thought, um, alone should have that. But perhaps in the, the defense, the last thing I'll say on this round is that they're really the last half of the round is super inactive to where, you know, Elusa was risking getting stood up. It was so inactive. And I wonder if, you know, maybe the referee with human or not the referee, the official, the judges with human nature in play, right, guys? Maybe you kind of forget the weight of the first half of the round when you just get like a slog the second half. I don't know. Maybe that's why I go 10-8. You know, I, I, I'm I'm going to push back a little bit of that at that idea because I don't think it's so much that necessarily they forgot so much as they you'd like to see more of a push, right? There's kind of mm -hmm. we had it explained to us too by by officials in the past, and I think one of the fights that was in particular was uh, go all the way back to Amanda Nunes against uh, was it Felicia Spencer, Dan. Is that the fight that we we had this conversation with oh, one time? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Where there was like a there were a couple lopsided yeah. rounds in there. It was like, well, why why shouldn't that be a 10-8 for Amanda Nunes? And I don't think I've gotten the chance to go back and watch it myself and really make mm. decisions. But the idea being, she doesn't necessarily push for the eight beyond hurting her opponent mm. initially. She mm. kind of coasts to a degree. And I think maybe it, that's what a judge kind of is looking for. They really want more of that than than just like you had that and then you kind of backed off now i do think that we still get to the point here feel, i feel comfortable being this a 10-8 even in that context uh sal d'amato one of the most veteran of judges there is he's the most uh hardest working in terms of most uh ufc assignments uh in in the modern day uh he he had this one as a 10-8 here and actually he did not have if you recall he did not have a uh a 10-8 in the other 
round right oh yeah he he had his a 10-9 in Romanov so he is kind of doing what you said here uh Dan Tom and there's there's a difference between one round and another mm. this is the the subtle difference here maybe it was we don't know why we're not in his head but maybe that was why he ended up going for the eight here and not the eight in the other fight um the nines came from Chris Lee and local judge Dan first so it didn't uh, again ultimately it doesn't matter we, we this was the deciding round and he definitely got the round so we're really hey, only I, talking about semantics here, but you know, we like to see it follow through, right? That's why we talk about it. Yeah, and uh, I'm happy to be on the same side as Sal. That, that 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 definitely that definitely feels great right there. But I will say, yeah, I don't know if we had the same visual cue like you said, Scott, but can I just ask you guys, does that that weighs heavier with you guys too, right? When you see the ref kind of coming in and like showing more like concern, um, does that uptick the whatever the fighter's doing as far as if they're if they're doing a damaging motion? Maybe you don't think it's close to a finish, but the ref maybe moves in, warns the fighter to work. Does that kind of up it in your guy's head? For, for me, uh, from my view on TV, I don't know if this, if it would be the same on, if I was cage side, but when, sure. when I'm on, when I see it on TV and he starts moving in closer, it, it indicates to me that, okay, these strikes that he's landing have some good solid uh, pop on them. I feel like it's a okay. tricky thing, right? Like I, I would, the, 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 the simple answer is yes, but also, every ref acts kind of differently in certain situations, right? There's some refs who are going to, you know, sure. a good ref, of course, is going to be on top of the action, but maybe they are, they're handling it in such a way that may be just a little bit different than another one does. So it, it's hard to just go directly off of that, unless you know the referee's sure. tendencies and that kind of thing. Um, I imagine the reg, the, the judges who are sitting, <laughs> the regs, the, the judge refs, <laughs> they're called right. regs now. Um, the judges who are sitting cage side, I imagine they can feel, the the degree of these strikes landing to a higher degree than we can through the television obviously you know you've sat cage side for fights you've been up there for fights um you know how it feels it yeah. just feels differently you you actually can feel things in the air in a way that you don't if you're watching on television so yeah i i imagine the judges cage side probably aren't leaning on that as much I, i'm i'm sure would love to know the answer if there's any judges who want sure. to clarify that for us but no I, I would think a judge a real good experienced judge probably doesn't need it as much although it can probably be a, a differentiator sure I, I don't see why it couldn't be so yeah I'm, I'm curious about that answer i hope we learn that uh in the intervening week here but it makes sense. uh dan we're all on the same page here so we we, we saw it with sal damato who was the out judge what does that mean for sal couch side override <laughs> we do not get a lot of three couch side override uh, episodes. This is a, a rare, especially when there's only five rounds to talk about. Yeah, we were more often than not <laughs> overruling the uh, the scores. <laughs> Uh, but I don't think there was anything. We didn't have any bad ones here. You know, I think I think even the local judges no. acquitted themselves here well. You know, I think, and I want to say too, real quick before we move on to our finishes here, I, I like the way that Utah. Uh, the commission did their assignments because what they did was they had local referees work the first three bouts and then gave way to the uh, the traveling referees, uh, Mike Beltran and, and Jason Herzog and Herb Dean the rest of the way. So it was gave them a little bit of experience early on in the card and you know no, no offense to these fighters, but they're you know, they're lower on the bout order. Sometimes this is just the way things go. Um, and then, of course, we had a local judge mixed in with traveling judges throughout the prelims. And then after that, it was all the traveling judges. And I thought that was a really, really great way to both get judges experience, but also um, maybe not relying too much on local judges for what is a, a major um, mixed martial arts card on the world stage. 
So I was really happy with that. Yeah, no, uh, massive props. I like the way they structured that too. And just the fact that we only had five contested rounds, I was telling Dan, I was surprised. I was like, wow, for a crazy card, that many fights, that many decisions. Um, and that many rounds. Props. That yeah, and even important, you guys, like, you, you said off the top of the show, 80% is a, a good number, you guys said, right? Higher than the really average, right? That's good. Especially yeah. with that volume there. I think I think it was a really good night for the judges. And, and I think, you know, our show, of course, we will highlight good judging, but a lot of places really won't. I think this was an event where realistically we ought to be highlighting good judging. Um, but again, that is it. You know, we're yeah. on to the finishes here. You know, there were five at the UFC uh, on Saturday. Four of them were TKOs. One was a sub. Three ended in the first round. And then PFL. I don't know if I was the only one of you three wa- of us three watching this, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I watched part of it. I didn't get to watch every single thing, but I watched a good chunk of it. Nine finishes, uh, four by KO or TKO. Um, it's actually five by submission. One of them was a technical submission, uh, and six of these ended in the first round. So a lot of, uh, I think they, what do they call them? Six points uh, or whatever. That's their nomenclature in, in PFL because you get six standing points, even though we're in the playoffs. So whatever. Um, let's, let's, let's go to our guest here first, Dan. Other than, I think we got to take Leon Edwards out here because all of us would probably say Leon Edwards, yeah. if we're being real honest here. Other than Leon Edwards, what was your favorite finish out of all of the uh, the fights? You know, we had a lot of decisions, so the finishes wasn't as vast as recent weeks where we've had crazy finishes. But uh, I'll give some love to Albazi because he's been on the shelf for a minute. And, uh, man, that's too black. But the guy, I, I, I'm sure he's not a purple belt anymore, and belts don't mean anything, folks. A lot of people, when they train MMA, stop training jujitsu in the gi uh, or pause it, right? You know, but this guy came in as a purple belt, and he already owns two – uh, subs over black belts. Uh, it's it's insane. Most recently, of course, uh, Francisco Figueredo. Um, so I, I just want to see more of the kid. I hope he can stay healthy. It was a good choke. Absolutely mm-hmm. a good rear naked choke. Mirabazi, uh, he, that is the thing. You just want to see him get in there again. I mean, it was almost two years, right? It was, I think it was January yeah. 2021 was the last time. Yeah. Um, Some, yeah. Ho- hopefully we see more of them. Uh, what about you, Dan uh, Urban? Tyson Pedro, front kick to the body. Just shut down Harry Hunsucker. <laughs> You know, it's really unfortunate that the word sucker has to be in his name because he has had just an awful, awful run in the UFC and its affiliate uh, fights and, and promotions, if you want to call Dana White Contender Series that. Uh, he's on four now. He's got four first round knockout losses. It's He's just not a UFC caliber heavyweight or light heavyweight fighter. It's just not. And, and I don't mean to be mean, but I think that's probably the reality that we all live in, right? Don't think I, I, mm-hmm. it's hard to de- dispute that, but for me, my favorite finish actually came from the PFL again, other than Edwards uh, came from the PFL with Larissa Pacheco, uh, who introduced Elena Klesnik uh, to power punches because apparently she hadn't felt that kind of power really connecting before, because when she got a taste of uh, Pacheco's hands, it was basically just like, I don't want to be a real part of this. Uh, and she eventually crumpled and, and showed that realistically there are definitely levels uh, in the PFL. And it's not just Kayla Harrison and everyone else. It's Kayla Harrison, then Larissa Pacheco. And then, I don't know, does everyone else include Julia Budd? I feel like that's probably harsh, but realistically, like, yeah, I mean, there's, there's just levels to this. And Pacheco really showed that. So, yeah, that was a good finish. I don't know if you guys what- have to see it, but. Uh, yeah, I'm just wondering. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, the, the, those divisions can be so tricky. I'm wondering how how much longer until everything like settles out. Because you think back in the day in the men's divisions, it was a similar problem. You know, hindsight. If we had hindsight, we would have seen some really bad mismatches that maybe shouldn't have happened in MMA. Sure. 
Sure. But these Absolutely. things happen in MMA. Someone said that once, and I like to say that all the time, actually. That's that's a go-to Gus phrase for Johnson. me. Gus yes, Johnson. Gus Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Gus Johnson. He was in Madden. He was one of the voices of Madden recently. That was weird. Yeah, um, he's one of those voices. <laughs> yeah. Um, no UFC this coming weekend, guys. This is the first time in three months where we have no UFC card to look forward to. And honestly, I kind of look forward to that in and of itself. I like these breaks. I really welcome them. I think working in media, especially, it's really just something that can kind of drain on you because if you're a fan, even if you're, you can call yourself a real like fight fan, right? There's going to be weeks where you're just like, come on, I, I, sometimes I might just want to do something different. But you don't get to choose that if you are in media and this is kind of how you make your bones and all that. So, um, I welcome a break like this. And then we're back on again with, uh, with UFC Paris actually the next week, which actually should be a solid card. We won't talk too deep into that. Um, and I can tell that Mr. Tom here is fading. He's letting out a little bit of a yawn. It's very late. Uh, it's two in the morning for us on the East coast. Dan, Dan's yeah. not even at midnight yet though. Dan, Dan, Tom is no. not even, no, but he's got, he's got training in the morning. He's got to fight to win. That's, you know, that's <laughs> we don't want to we don't want to take too much away from that. So real quick, before we wrap up here, let's look to the I guess you could call this a major, right? Uh, it, it, it's a major fight card going on uh, Friday night, Eastern time. It's 9 p.m. It is the first one card, one championship card for Amazon Prime subscribers, wow. which is probably a lot of you. Because realistically, he's I, I, living where I am. I don't know how people get by without having an Amazon Prime subscription. When you need stuff for your kid, it's just easier to be like, yeah, I need this in like two days. And sometimes it's just hard to get your kid to the store. So it's definitely a really good thing. Uh, but the fight here, at the very least, is compelling. It's it's Adriano Marais going again against uh, Demetrius Mademus Johnson. It's the rematch mm -hmm. for the... What they call the, I think they still call it the flyweight belt, but it's the 135 pound belt because they do their whole, you know, anti-weight cutting thing. But when you look at Ad Adriano Marais, you're like, how is this guy not cutting weight? Because he looks like a whole weight class above Mighty Mouse Johnson. But it is what it is. Uh, is this a fight either of you is going to be watching with with uh, with excitement? I like. DJ, I would love to so. watch it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was good. I didn't set anybody up. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, let's let's go with you, Dan Tom. Um, I, I should be much more into the uh, Asian MMA scene than, you know, I, I am just contender series, Bellator and you're stereotyping like, yourself. My time. What are you doing? Uh, no, man. I, I, I love the talents over there. I love okay. DJ as well. I'm a, I, I was a defender of him as far as the pound for pound talk back in the day. Um, cause he's just a great example of it. As far as MMA being a lighter weight class guy, you can kind of do it all. Uh, obviously he's getting older. So maybe it's, maybe, maybe it'll be good that I miss it. And I'll, 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 I won't be depressed. Um, but no, I, I would, I would try to see this. This would be, uh, uh you know, uh, viewing, viewing potential for me for sure. If I was a fan, what about you? Normal uh, fan. Urban? Yeah. I like DJ. I'm, I'm more, I want to see if he, I mean, the first fight was kind of found himself in a, in a position that he probably wasn't used to where he get need in the head from the ground. And uh, I think he'd probably might be more wise to it this time. I want to see if he makes the adjustments. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious in general, honestly, Mighty Mouse Johnson being the legend he is. It, it's just, it's hard not to watch him compete because I still think he's got it. I still think he's a great fighter. And I think realistically you could see him step into the 125 pound division at the UFC level and you wouldn't count him out to win the championship, no matter who is in front of him. I, I 
I feel very good about that. I feel very strong about that. But he he doesn't seem to mind where he is. He seems pretty happy over there. I think I think heavily of Adriano Marais too. I've thought a lot of him for many years, um, way before Mighty Mouse Johnson was there. So it's it's nice to see that he is starting to get more recognition, thanks to the rub that he got from beating Mighty Mouse. But yeah, this is this is a compelling fight. This is definitely a fight I'm looking forward to watching. I can't say I'm enamored of watching one every week like this is one amazon prime number one if it's demetrius man johnson is not on prime number two am i watching this i don't know but i'm watching this one it's of course in singapore where one's uh kind of based and it's all it's also fighting on here uh 9 p.m prime time it's gonna be weird time over there i don't even know what it is i think wow. it's nine in the morning yeah. or something like that i want to say it's like a 12 hour difference if i remember from june when the UFC was in Singapore. Yep. Um, so yeah, 9 a.m. That's, that's a tough call for, especially if you <laughs> think about the guys who are on the prelims, uh, mm. the men and women who are on the prelims, man. But this is not official unified rules, ABC scoring criteria. This is not how they do things. They have their own uh, detailed way that they go into in their website to a certain degree of how <laughs> they will score these fights. I'll refer you to them if you want to look at it, but it's a little different. Uh, and they also score the fight as a whole. So it's, yeah, it's different. I, and what I don't love is the, the seeming lack of transparency. I mean, shoot, fighters over here don't necessarily know what the judges are looking for. I think we've talked to a not, uh, talked to enough of them and heard from enough of them to know that they don't know. But like, do they even have a chance of knowing if they fight for one? I mean, I don't know. Are they having rules meetings and being like, here's what you want to do? And do this? I doubt it. So, yeah. I, I want to yeah, see one go to Saudi Arabia and see how the uh, you know they just you know just just go on that kick. Uh, I know there's been talk <laughs> about uh, a lot of the shows uh, and how they're going over there. <laughs> just, I'm sorry, I don't want to stir, yeah, stir no, the pot we're anymore, but... <laughs> rabbit holes here. Sir. You're leading us in the wrong direction. We're trying to sorry. wrap up here. We're trying to wrap up, but yeah, this, it's a mixed show too. It's, that's the thing. There's also there are Muay Thai bouts on here. There's MMA bouts on yeah, here. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, they sometimes put grappling on there, which I, I wish they did for this one because I would have liked to tune in for that. They have a decent. You're not as enthused division. about the Muay Thai. I'm, I I prefer grappling. Um, but they have they have a decent grappling roster over there that I'd I'd like to see. But they okay. don't want to put any of them on this event. So, I think probably if if, if I'm gonna play, uh, you know. If I'm going to put myself in their shoes, I bet you they're thinking, well, American audiences don't want to watch the grappling. They would rather watch the Muay Thai. That's what they think. Are they right? Yeah. I don't know. That's not for me to say, but I think that's what they think. That's <laughs> yeah, my two probably. cents. But I'd watch the grappling. Hell, I'd love I love watching the grappling. So that's, uh, that's good for me. Um, I think it's about time to wrap up here. But again, I want to say thank you. Uh, and I sure I speak for uh, my co-host, Dan, here. Sure. Thank you very much to Dan Tom for joining us on this episode as a guest judge i hope you had a really nice time we had a nice time with you you're, you're always a good fun time i had fun on your podcast at the beginning of the year so now we've we've kind of come full circle now you got to get dan urban on your show i gotta get <laughs> yeah i do i i haven't had a top five guest on my show since scott scott left the place of mess no i'm just kidding it's a <laughs> uh, i'm a bad i'm a bad booker man uh i i gotta get back on it I've, I've had a top five show in the works like for months now it's been bad but but that was an awesome one that we did and i gotta get you right whether it's for a recap a breakdown or a top five if there's a top five of anything that's burning in um mr urban's heart we'll get him on the program man i love you guys you guys really do a fine job i don't recommend you guys for no reason uh you guys really are fighting the good fight and i just really respect what you guys are doing man uh you know like i mentioned uh 
Dan earlier, obviously yourself, Scott, like there's, you, you guys have, that's one thing I don't think they don't understand all the people that, 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 that do that work in the sport, whether it's the media or like you guys know the officials themselves and you guys yourselves, these are real people who really love the sport in some cases got nine to fives or maybe not nine to five, some weird hour jobs that kind of jump around. But the point is we make time and dedicate ourselves because we love it. Like why else would you, why else would you go learn the criteria? Why would you wake up early and go on a jujitsu mat? Why would you do any of the things that any of us do unless we loved it? So that's something I think we all need to keep in mind and something I definitely respect you guys for. Well said. And, and thank you very much. Thank uh, you. We, we respect how do you, like I said, and, and, uh, and we'll do this again. We'll absolutely do this again. For sure. No, definitely. Definitely. I love you guys. Keep fighting the good fight. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Dan. And that does it for this episode of the Couchside Judges. Once again, thanks to Dan Tom for joining us. We know we got to let him go. He's got to fight to win. He's got to go train. Yeah, get some sleep, Dan, and uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll hit you all up next week. There's no, we're not going to go over one. We'll figure out something else. Maybe we'll do. We'll, we could go back to uh, some past judgment, Dan. Yeah, we can do that. We gotta we gotta have something, right? Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out a show. But thanks for listening. Have a great week. Enjoy your non UFC weekend, everybody. Take care, everyone. <laughs>